Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, let's go right to the phone. And you know, Nate, it's becoming a bad habit for me to say nice things about you. <laughs> I like that guy. Put him in the good guy category. I really like that day. <laughs> you know Steve Finazza, though? I do. You know, so uh, in my tournament days, I was fishing a variety of tournament trails. Uh, and uh, some of the NWCs that I was fishing, he was actually emceeing for uh, the 2007 season. So, yeah, he spent some time in my boat uh, when I was doing good up in the winter circle. And, yeah, he's a, he's a great gentleman, great angler. Uh, yeah, he's done a lot for uh, the community for, for decades. Yeah, he's really one of the good guys. And I meant it about you, too. You're one of the good guys. You know, and most of the guys we interact with in this industry are good guys. But there's a few in every every walk of life. But... The outdoor community <laughs> seems to bring a good uh, a good value system with it. So what's going on in fishing, my friend? You know, Terry, uh, the, the bite continues to be good. We're finally seeing some uh, some good breakup uh, of the ice in the high country. You know, uh, I mean, I know some of the fishers are still very locked up, but it's getting late into April. Uh, so we're excited to see the South Park Lakes having a lot of open water. Uh, Spinney's going to open up for shore fishing soon. Uh, it will not be open for boating, but open for shore fishing. Uh, so it's exciting to see the mountains kind of breaking up. Um, again, it's one of those love-hates. We uh, we love ice fishing, so we, we hate to see it leave, but obviously open water brings up so much stuff. So uh, I would say by next weekend, we're going to really be delivering a ton of information on the exact uh, kind of updates of the, the mountain fisheries. Um, again, a lot changing right now. We were warm and then cold, and then, you know now we're getting warm again, uh, things like that. So we'll have a, kind of a better update on all that here next weekend with kind of the true hard facts of when we're expecting opening for boating and, and all that kind of stuff. But right now we're putting so much emphasis uh, on the front range for walleye just because that bite is so hot. Uh, Terry, this last week, we produced so many big fish on the front range. It was it was almost mind blowing. Uh, I had a, a night out there where I hooked five big fish, uh, and when we say big fish, we're talking twenty eight inches and plus. Um, so it seems like every night this week we had big fish. I had to, to leave town the last couple of days uh, to go to a sports show, but the guys continue to catch big fish up until last night. Uh, so the big fish bite is on. The the daytime bite is on. The nighttime bite is on. All techniques are on. So with that walleye being hot, we're putting a lot of emphasis on that right now. Yeah. If, what if, um, What's happening with the uh, – I want to get more into the fishing on all of these lakes. But I want to go through – you mentioned spinning will open will open to uh, shore fishing but not boating. And then Chatfield and Cherry Creek have had water level ups and downs. What's going on with the water level in all three of those? Yeah, so so as far as those, so spinning water level is extremely low. It's obviously coming up as runoff hits, um, and it's one of those things that we all try to predict what the water level at spinning is going to do. Obviously, we have to have water up to the boat dock and onto the concrete before you can safely launch boats. Um, the biggest thing there is obviously in terror. Excuse me, uh, spinning is a water source for Aurora, um, and, and really, it's all of Aurora. Whether they choose to sell that water, pass that water on, store that water. Um, so the big question is is not so much 
getting water. We have run off. There's a lot of snow up there. So water is flowing into spinning. So it's not a situation of that. It's just a matter of how much they're going to hold. Uh, and that's one of those things. We talk about low water. Everybody's like, how is there low water? You know, there's a ton of snow. It's not a situation of the actual water and, and having enough of it. It's more what the district of Aurora with their water chooses to do with that water. So uh, we're trying to get a good estimation right now of how much they're going to do. But if they basically, you know, slow down the outflow, uh, that water could come up quick and we could be boating, you know, in, in early May. Uh, if they continue to, you know, let the water flow downstream for all their sources and entities down there, obviously the, the water won't come up as fast. So that's the, the big prediction right now. That's what I'm hoping by next week and I can get a kind of a rougher idea of what Aurora's planning on doing and, and what that will do to boating. Uh, and then on the front range here, Chatfield, that water level is up. Uh, so if you are looking at the, the old Chatfield, I know it's been several years, but we talk about the old Chatfield, the normal you know height of the old water. Uh, we're up almost five vertical feet right now. So there is water in the trees on shores. Uh, by no means is it where the lake can capably be up that, you know, 12 to 14 feet. But the water is up. Uh, to the average angler. So we do have walleyes kind of on the shore up in those trees. We have some bass on really warm days kind of moving up in there. Uh, so it's kind of cool. We have lots of water at Chatfield. The water at Cherry Creek is low but coming up. Um, so that's one of those things. So I would say on the, the main portion of the lake at Cherry Creek, it's not noticeable. Uh, but if you start moving over towards what would call like the northwest corner by the marina uh, in the slips, that whole, you know, sunken island, that is all exposed. Uh, and then the water, obviously, on the very south end, a no-wake area where the kind of the stumps are at, all of that water is low, exposed, uh, and presenting some hazards to some boating. Um, so that water is kind of how we're sitting. So low at, at Cherry Creek and Spinney, uh, water level 11 mile is good. Water level is high at Chatfield. And that's kind of where we're sitting on uh, the, the boating situation. Is 11 mile open for boating yet? It is not open for boating yet, uh, but again, we should have a date here soon. Uh, obviously, Spinney being a little bit more of that rounder square lake, it ices off quick. Uh, 11 Mile with the islands and kind of some protected areas, it does not quite get the wind exposure on some of those areas, so it does not ice off quite as fast as Spinney does. All right, take us through some of the bites. Yep, so on the bites, uh, Cherry Creek continues to be a little tough. We actually had a situation where the CWT, uh, so a, a local walleye venue, had a tournament scheduled for the day there, uh, and they moved that event over to Chatfield. Uh, so we saw that happen on Wednesday. So there's a tournament going on at Chatfield today. Uh, but Cherry Creek continues to be fishing fairly tough. Um, we know that in the last week or so, we've had a, a fairly decent shallow water bite. So some anglers got into some fish uh, in some of the shallower water areas. Uh, but the mainstay of that spring fishery is fishing lead core in the basin for you know, the walleyes that are activating on blood worms and midges, uh, that bite has been extremely tough. Uh, a lot of people have been asking me and talking uh, about why that is. And, and if you really get into the nitty-gritty, uh, the water level dropped down to about five vertical feet below the normal pool uh, at Cherry Creek. What that 
tends to do, and this is just kind of, uh, again, the, the concept of it, um, in the, the basin of that lake, in that 18 to 20 feet of water, that is where that bug life lives, those, those blood worms, the midges. Uh, when you get a lower water level like that, you're going to drop that temperature a half degree to a full degree. Uh, and with that colder water and, again, that lower water, that bug life tends to go deeper in the mud. Um, again, this is a situation that we've seen in the mountain fisheries around midge hatches. Um, so when we get those bugs going slightly deeper in the mud uh, to basically, you know, insulate themselves, keep them alive through the winter, um, it's just harder for the walleyes to activate on them. Obviously, the walleyes can't dig in the mud. Um, the walleyes can kind of puff the, the mud surface and get those buds the bugs to expose themselves, uh, but generally speaking, what I, I'd say is seems to be happening there is that bug life has not been as active. Now, on one of the hotter days last week, when we hit that 75, 80 degrees, we saw some of that bug life come up, um, and the walleye bite turned on immediately, but I, I think we're just still a hair delayed. I would really anticipate that Cherry Creek bite turning on very strong this week once we start warming up again, uh, but that's kind of my concepts and take of why uh, that basin bite and that lead core bite has not been as hot as it has been in years past. All right, so if you were going to go right now, would, would, if you were going to chase big fish, would you still stay at Chatfield or... Uh, I would still say so, so, you know, that's kind of the, the Cherry Creek bite. Again, uh, the fish are active. You can catch fish there, uh, but it's going to be a little bit tougher. Uh, on the really hot, nice days, I think you can anticipate that lead core bite going. Uh, on the average day, I would honestly cruise some of the shallower water, 10 to 12 feet of water, and I'd be looking for suspended fish. So whether you're going to cast crankbaits to them or, or troll baits, um, I think the suspended bite at Cherry Creek is how I would target those fish um, day or night. Then you jump over to Chatfield, uh, um, and again, obviously, there we have a low bait fish population. So we, you know, we, we've been talking about it since last year. Uh, we're not going to see this year's shad, um, you know, up spawning until you know into May and June. Uh, we won't see the the young shad of the year until you know middle of the late June, if not July. So we're going to kind of continue that that low bait fish population and that really uh, kind of incredible bite at Chatfield all spring and into the summer pattern. So right now, at Chatfield. We're catching fish day and night. So how we basically break it down, and this is the simplest way to view that bite, is if you have any sort of darkness on the surface of the water. So this could be a windy day with waves. Those waves are going to make a darker surface, uh, and it's going to bring on a bite. If you have night, obviously, low light periods with lack of sun, uh, so early in the morning, late in the evening, and or all night long, the darker surface is going to cause fish to suspend. So if you get out there and it is a darker surface due to wind or a light source, you're going to be fishing for fish suspended. So darker surface, we're all about suspended bait. So we are trolling or casting stick baits. When we say stick baits, we're talking about Berkeley hit sticks. We're talking about Rapala, uh, like husky jerks and like a size, uh, size, you know, 12. Uh, we're talking about rogues and the rogues were doing pro rogues. So a four and a half inch bait. So if you can pull a stick bait, so a long slender minnow style bait, four to five inches long, um, in that suspended water column, anything that has to do with that darker surface, that is going to be your bite. Um, and that bite has been incredible both day and night. Everybody thinks you have to use stick baits at night. Uh, it's all about a darker surface. So you get out there on a windy day, that, that suspended bite is going to be happening, which is a lot of fun. Um, and then the second you get calm waters, if you're out there during the day, so daylight hours, but it's a calm surface, 
That is when we're jigging, and we even started to catch some fish this week on live bait rigs. Um, I would still probably be more confident telling everybody to go out there and jig, uh, but I did know that there was a, a handful of people catching some fish on live bait rigs, live bait rigs being, you know, like a Lindy rig, and they are pulling uh, minnows or, or crawlers. If you get your hands on leeches, that would be a, a dynamite technique. But um, I think we're still, you know, several weeks from really the, the live bait bite taking off. But the jig bite is strong. So you can go out there with paddle tails. You can go out there with curly tails. Uh, you could go out with a hair jig. Um, you can run the bait as is, or you could tip them, uh, again, with a crawler, leech, or minnow. Uh, but those jig bites have been good, sitting on structure for all those techniques. So whether you're jigging or live bait rigging, uh, sitting on structure tends to be key. A lot of the roadbeds right now are fairly deep with the higher water. So the roadbeds have not been as active as other pieces of structure. So if I was going to go out there, I'd focus on Marina Point if I was going to be going out with a jig. Uh, you could focus on any of the points on the west side of the reservoir, uh, anything on the edges of the river channel that are in that shallower water. But you really want to be in, say, 8 to about 12 to 14 feet of water with your jig or live bait rig, and that's the, the zone that's producing the most fish out there right now. Are you seeing when you're using the jigging bite, a lot of times this time of the year, you'll see the smallmouth start to mix with the walleyes on the jigging structure. Are you seeing some of that? It's 100% day-to-day. So when you especially get to kind of that that 8 to 10-foot zone is where we're starting to pick up the bass, and you can tell the bass are just that species that does not like the cold. So on those hot, sunny days last week, 70 degrees, we were catching quite a few bass moving in. Then, uh, you know, as we approached uh, the end of the week, we got into that colder cold front, those bass just slid right out. So I think by next week, the bass will move shallow and, and start to stay shallow. Uh, but last week, it's kind of that transition where all it takes is one cold day and they slide back off the structure. But on those nicer days, 100%, those bass are definitely up in that shallow water. Uh, and we're seeing some pretty big bass mixed in with those walleyes on that structure. Last question before we wrap up this segment, and that's uh, year classes. Are you seeing a good mix of year classes at Chatfield? Is the fishery we're holding we're up? Seeing, uh, an unbelievable year class. Obviously, we have a pile of those young fish, uh, and that's going to be both males and females. A lot of those are going to be, you know, adult males that are only reaching that 17, 18 inches. Uh, and then we're also seeing a lot of big fish. I would say the the biggest year class that I have not been catching a lot of so far this year are those fish in that like 22 to 26 inch range. I haven't seen a whole lot of those. Um, I don't think we're lacking them. I just don't think I'm on that pattern, but we're catching a ton of fish in that 20 inches and less. And we're catching a lot of fish in the 28 to 31 inch range. I haven't seen a lot of 32s or 33s, uh, but we're seeing a lot of, you know, 27 and a half, 28, uh, seeing quite a few year class right around that 30 mark uh, to be spot on. Uh, so a lot of really big fish and a really lot of just really nice fish. Again, I haven't quite seen those, those middle fish, but, but I don't think we're lacking them. I just don't think I'm on that pattern. All right, Nate, I'm going to ask you if I can put you on hold. I want to come back yep. and talk some hunting, if that's okay. Absolutely. All right, we'll put Nate on hold. When we come back, we're going to talk about turkey, big game, and a little bit about guns right here on Terry Wicksham Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I do love Nashville, Terry. I do. Yeah. Well, having my involvement in the music industry, I love the history of music that's available there, too, not only the venues. So it is a good town. Hey, um, we're in the middle. We're not in the middle. We're in the beginning of turkey season, but I think the best is yet to come. And people should be planning big game and thinking about their equipment and firearms. What do you got? 
Absolutely, Kerry. So, you know, we, we have a lot going on, obviously. Uh, you know, Turkey is definitely in full swing. You know, it opened up, and we talk about this every year. Every turkey hunter gets so excited, and the sport of turkey hunting is just blown up, and everybody gets out there on opening weekend, and it's Mother's Nature's, you know, joke every year to give us some of the worst weather on opening of turkey. Um, and we see so many turkey hunters get out there, grind hard, and they honestly, they give up so quick. Um, you know, it's one of those things. We just encourage turkey hunters, you know, don't give up too early. I mean, obviously, uh, we had a little bit of snow front yesterday. Uh, that by no means helped out the, the hunting, the birds, the breeding season. Um, but the forecast is looking good now. We have a little rain next Sunday, Monday, a uh, little cooler temperatures, but we have a great warm week. And we're going to start getting to the point to where the cold does not bother them as much as we kind of move along with spring. So I, I think right now we're definitely starting to see more active birds, uh, you know, more talking and kind of all of that. You know, the birds being uh, able to be called a little bit better. Um, so I want to start off talking about turkeys. And I want to move into kind of some firearms and some some hot topics there so on the turkey thing here's a couple concepts number one as you get later into the season obviously your birds are going to get more active one of the probably biggest things that i think most hunters overlook is once the birds start breeding once your hens start laying on nests um, the, the more frequent that we see hens, um, getting bred, they're going to be basically out of the market, out of the circuit. Um, and your gobblers and your toms will start looking and traveling further for more active birds. So the later you get, literally the, the easier it is to work these the, the more options you have of turkeys covering more ground, looking for hens. Um, so there's a lot that happens that the later on you get. So everything is just going to get better. With that being said, I think that all hunters in Colorado, myself included, all expect too much from a turkey. I think so many times, right, we have these amazing decoys, these great calls, and, you know, we get out in the woods and we start calling and we expect a turkey to come, you know, over hills and, you know, through the, the woods and everything to come to us. When I think the, the biggest reality of things is you have to get in their way. You have to do 90% of the footwork. If you put more energy in, just like an elk hunt, um, your end result is going to be better. So I encourage hunters, start looking at maps. You know, jump on Onyx, jump on Google Earth. Really start analyzing where these birds could be roosted. Um, you know, get a good idea of where they roost every night. You know, you're looking for that that nice, you know, southern-facing hill or eastern-facing hill, uh, you know, big roost trees, activity in those areas. And the ideal situation is go out in the evening and, and put these birds to bed. You know, try to find where they're roosting. They'll gobble once they're in their roost. And Find out where these birds are roosting so then the next day you can get close to that to where when they jump out of the tree, um, you're already in their path and they're already going to be walking towards you. That's when a subtle call and a great decoy will really pull these birds in quick and lead to a successful hunt. So if you can really put the legwork in, find the roost, um, get an idea of where they're going, get yourself close to those areas, um, and you're going to have success. The odds of a turkey knowing where they want to go 
go, right? Whether they get out of the roost and they're heading to food, heading to water. Um, the odds of you pulling that bird, you know, several hundred yards or, you know, a half mile away um, to come to you is very slim, uh, especially this time of year when they have a large group of hens. So do the legwork. Get yourself in their path, and that's when you can kind of suck them off just a little bit from their group, and you're going to create that success. So put more energy in, uh, and at the end of the day, that's what's going to lead to a successful turkey hunt, especially where we're at right now in the season. I couldn't agree more, and I think we're headed for a fantastic finish to this year. And I'll echo what you said. Don't give up. And even if you haven't been out, if you're interested in turkey hunting, you have time this year to get an over-the-counter license and probably have some great success. And we have lots of time, so take a week off. Take another week off. Get through this next storm front next weekend and then start going out, you know? Yep. So, perfect. So, now I want to talk a little bit, just real quick. This happens every year, Terry. I, I, I don't think you can talk to a big game hunter in the state that says the big game season does not sneak up on them. Um, it, everybody's life is busier. We are all busy with everything, with work, with life, with families. Um, I think it's just one of those current days. So, every year, it never fails. We start getting into August, September, and you go down to your local retailer and you're like, hey, I need a new firearm, or I need ammo, or I need you know new optics, and we struggle to get it. Even though we're we're getting stocked back up on firearms, ammo, uh, and optics, everything is still not out there. Um, so we're encouraging everybody think about that right now. Now is the time where the retailers are stocked. Um, they've you know got everything back from the hunting season, uh, and it's the time to try to sneak out there now. Get those firearms. Get optics get ammunition, and prepare for the upcoming season. This gives you time to stock up. It gives you time to, to get the guns to the, you know, gunsmith or get them clean and then start shooting. So I'm actually here at the NRA show uh, in Indianapolis talking firearms for hunting with everybody. So kind of my position here at the show is just talking about the long gun option. So we're just talking about, you know, bolt-action rifles, in the pursuit of like Western big game. That's been my kind of topics that I've been talking about. And we've been talking about the ideal, you know, caliber and what's going on. And that's one of those things that we love to talk about. Obviously we never preach to somebody to have to go out and buy new gear. If you have a rifle, um, it's one of those things that and if it works and it's safe and you can make a clean, uh, responsible harvest on an animal, continue to use it. Uh, but there's a lot of hunters that are, that are getting new firearms and they're like, Hey, I, you know, it's time for something new what should i get um and it's so hard because there is a lot of options of rifles that do everything and then there's a lot of rifles that are more built for hey i'm gonna be more on the elk moose side i want slightly bigger calibers or hey i want something very lightweight you know for for this type situation so there's a lot of options for very specific stuff um and there's a lot of all-around options um probably the hottest topic here at the show uh is the fairly recent seven prc so it's basically a seven millimeter PRC. Uh, a lot of people know the seven millimeter Magnum cartridge. It's one of the best ballistic coefficient bullets uh, and rounds uh, ever made. Um, I would say the only weak point that we ever see with that seven millimeter is you're not shooting a, a really heavy bullet. So you don't have a lot of mass in your bullet. So in some situations, especially Colorado, especially in like high country situations, um, you deal with a lot of wind and sometimes having a slightly bigger bullet mass um, can do fairly well in that wind and really help you out in some of those type conditions. But here at the show, uh, you're long-range hunters and long-range shooters are, are really excited about that. So we just wanted to walk everybody through kind of the concept. So 
the general rule of thumb, if I was going to suggest to anybody to, to make a firearm purchase for the pursuit of animals this big game season, the things I look for is, number one, I love lots of velocity. I think uh, velocity and the energy that velocity creates over just a, a big push power of a gun, I think velocity is one of the biggest keys. So we love velocity because it puts the energy uh, to creating probably the, the best and cleanest responsible harvest you can. So we love that. Uh, the other big thing about velocity, I think we've all been guilty of either not having a range finder, not being able to get a range on our animals or ranging the animal and then the animal walks for a little ways um, and then you take the shot. So I think in a lot of situations, having a flat shooting gun, so a high velocity gun that that doesn't have as much drop to your bullet um, to where you can miss range by 50, 70 yards and still create the accurate shot that you need uh, to to provide that that harvest that you want. So I think high-velocity stuff is probably one of my biggest suggestions. Um, This last year, almost all my smaller big games, so all my pronghorn, my mule deer, my whitetails, all of that style game, I shot a six millimeter for. Uh, you know, it's the, it's the cousin to the 243, uh, but unbelievable ballistic results, extremely flat shooting, um, and the energy level is unbelievable. And I'm actually been choosing the, the six millimeter over the 6.5 Creedmoor and over the 6.5 PRC, uh, just because that velocity mix with the bullet that you're shooting, it creates uh, an energy on impact that is second to none. It's one of those things that's kind of hard to you know, describe uh, mathematically, uh, but on the overall results of our big game hunts, it's been incredible. And then on the big side, my elk and the the longer range shooting, I I always am going to suggest that 300 win. Uh, Readily available ammo, very old school cartridge, uh, but one of those things that is still just unbelievably efficient in the hunting world. So those are things we've been talking about a lot about, but right now I am all about the six millimeter and, and still that 300, uh, you know, win over like that new seven millimeter PRC. Wait, Nate, we're out of time. We've got about 30 seconds for a last comment. Absolutely, Terry. You know, just you can follow everything we do. We're getting ready to launch a hunting website with all of this type of information on it, but you can always find me at Tightline Outdoors. Uh, just find me on my website, Google it, get a hold of us. If you have any questions about anything, we'd love to talk to you about hunting or fishing. We also have a huge event next Saturday at Chatfield Catch Rate. Go to our website or Facebook, grab information for that. Uh, and as always, Terry, thank you so much for having us on today. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you next week. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Nate Zielinski. We're going to take a time out. We're going to keep talking shooting. The folks from uh, Colorado Clays are going to join us, and we'll get their input on some of these topics on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones and joining us, one of our favorite contributors, J.R. Pierce from Colorado Clades. Good morning, J.R. Hey, good morning, Terry. I don't know if you had a chance to listen or not, but Nate was talking a lot about a lot of people, they have a gun, they're happy with, they're going to continue to use it. But a lot of people are looking to upgrade their firearms because right now there, there seems to be a very good availability of both firearms and ammunition. So this may be the time to uh, either choose a firearm or buy the ammunition you want to hunt with in maybe a little more bulk than you have been. And now you can go fire those guns on your range with the right 
ammunition you're going to hunt with and, and still have plenty. And, and you have just the place to do it, don't you? Oh, Terry, that's what we do. And I'll, I will tell you, uh, this morning, Terry, we're hosting the Youth 100 NSCA tournament here at Colorado Clays. So uh, it's a registered tournament that generates money uh, for youth shooting programs and such. So I missed most of Nate's segments. I did catch the end. I would like to start by saying that uh, I have close friends that have deer hunted with Nate, and he definitely takes his hunting just as serious as his fishing. So his advice is always experience-based and solid. We always enjoy having him at the range here as well. But I will say, Terry, I totally agree. Um, you know, now's the time to go ahead and get the guns, the ammo, optics, and accessories. Um, but just because you bought that new equipment does not mean it will automatically perform. And uh, that's where Colorado Clays really does come in, Terry. Um, our uh, state-of-the-art facility allows people to come in here. And even though we have specific sighting and clinics and such, before the big game seasons, um, we certainly cater year-round to the big game hunter and offer everything they are going to need to get ready for the season. Because, uh, Terry, I've told you over and over, I'm the guy that hears the horror stories from the folks that didn't do that last step. Well, and I'll tell you, we have a motto on this show. It's don't get ready for hunting, stay ready for hunting. And you need to shoot your gun so you're comfortable with it. But now is the time of the year if you wanted to experiment with a different caliber, a different type of ammunition, because you can buy enough that when you get zeroed in, you'll have it to hunt with. And you need the right opportunity to do that. Why don't you tell people about the rifle opportunities you have there? Well, and that's, that's the beauty of Colorado Clays, Terry. Uh, we have a very unique NRA-approved state-of-the-art facility. And our facility is a hybrid design. So you can enjoy all the comforts of the indoor ranges, such as padded benches and stools, concrete floors, lights, radiant heat. But we also, our uh, downrange is natural light and airflow and shooting into a dirt berm so you really have the best of both worlds the comforts of indoor and the outdoor feel um, to get you ready for shooting our video viewing system which is on our hundred yard targets uh, is basically a camera on your target a monitor in your bay so you can do real-time sight in as you go so there's no need for spotting scopes there's no need to stop you just simply look up at your monitor and you can start making adjustments and we also have 50 yard intermediate targets to help uh, people that trying to get on paper at 100 because a target is a lot cheaper than ammo nowadays uh, we offer everything for the hunter terry such as shooting positions, uh, sitting, standing, and prone, or using sticks are all definitely uh, here at Colorado Clays and comfortable in any of those positions. Uh, we're center fire and muzzleloader friendly, so you can use any type of rifle. Our facility also features plenty of different types of rests. If you're a sandbag guy, that's fine. If you want a composite one, that works here. We've got adjustable stock cradles with literally threaded cradle up and down, and, of course, lead sleds, the lead sleds for exact zeroing uh, on your target. Um, as always, we have a full-service facility, Terry, and what I mean by that is our staff does all of the target changes. So once you set up in your bay, once you get your gear out, 
any target changing that needs to be done, or if you want a new target, our staff takes care of that. So it's very comfortable and very helpful when you're working on that rifle. And, of course, having the best staff in the industry, uh, the most credentialed, we have other things available as well, such as those sight-in clinics, um, rifle 101 classes, or individual instruction that will really help you with everything you need to get ready for your season. Well, you know, and if you're buying a new gun or a new firearm, it's so important, especially, or even if you're just buying new optics or you're buying a new gun with old optics, any of those combinations, you need to get comfortable with it, see how it fits, where does your eye come up to the scope, all these things. And the only way to do that is to shoot it. It's never right just dry firing it. I mean, that's a good thing to do, but you never have the right fit or, or understand it. And with the availability of ammo... And this is good through the shotgunning and stuff, too. Boy, now is the time to try some different ammo and stock up on the one you like. And if you have an older gun that you just love, maybe you've got an old Ot 6 or an old 308 that you, and I, those are two of my favorite calibers. They're really versatile, and I know there's a lot of new calibers, but there's a lot of new ammunition for those that you can try and see how you feel and how they perform. But you don't want to try them two weeks before you're going hunting. Well, Terry, absolutely. And now, as you said, is the perfect time to get some new ammo and experiment with it. Bring it out because not every gun performs the same um, with the same ammo as the next one. So uh, guns are very touchy and very specific about the ammo they like the best. And while you're there, Terry, I mean, really, when you come down to it, um, come coming out to the range, bringing some ammo, bringing your gun, uh, make sure you are good at safely handling your firearm. Uh, make sure you understand the function of that gun. Some people don't absolutely know everything about their gun. Uh, a lot of them will go clean their gun right before season, not fired after that, screw something up. That's another horror story I hear all the time. So learn out, come out, shoot your gun, clean it, come back, and verify it before you go up. A uh, lot of choosing calibers and ammo can be determined uh, by some time on the range. A lot of those new calibers are great, as you said, Terry, but not um, by any means mandatory to have a very effective firearm at longer ranges. Uh, scope function is another big one we see, you know, determining and understanding MOA uh, bore sighting your gun, something that we can help you with here at Colorado Clays is often going to save you a lot of dollars in ammo. And, uh, you know, our educated staff also does know a lot of state-specific regulations that apply to the Colorado hunters and their firearms when they're in the field. So it's always a win-win to get out here and get ready for season ahead of time. Well, another thing, too, we're while we're talking about ammo, I know we've been preaching patterning your turkey gun. But, boy, if you are having trouble or you're missing shots or your patterning doesn't seem right, or if you want to get ready for shooting clays at one of your events or at just a regular casual shooter or even upland game, you can buy shotgun ammo by the case right now. That hasn't been the, – the opportunity to do that hasn't existed for a few years. And now you can go through, have some fun doing some shotgunning and patterning and know what ammo you really like. And I think in turkey and some of your upland game, it's more important even than a rifle. Oh, absolutely, Terry. Uh, not only the ammo, the choke selections, then it doesn't matter what you're doing. Uh, 
um, if you are competitive shooting, if you are turkey hunting or uh, waterfowl upland game, so much information can be learned initially from some time on the Colorado Clays shotgun patterning area. And there are so many good ammo options out there, but so often is the case that one of them is going to perform the best with your firearm for a specific application. And you're right, Terry, ammo is available by the case. Colorado Clays has unlimited supply and multiple different options in the target ammo department right now. So uh, if you couldn't make it to the store, if you... Uh, don't feel you have time, or maybe we have something you didn't see somewhere else, um, we're, uh, we're on a no-limit uh, ammo for all of our customers right now as well. So great time for everything. It, it really is. Now, I can't leave you without talking about of this event that you carry on every year and the fun you guys have at uh, Cast and Clays. Yeah, Cast and Clays, Terry. And I'll tell you what. Uh, Nate does that now and again. We always enjoy having him. Uh, the guy is always a force. But the Colorado Clays Cast and Clays event is something that is available to everyone. And uh, because of our generous sponsors, Transwest GMC, Bass Pro Shops, Ramos Law, this format, no matter what your skill level is in fishing or shooting, is one of the funnest times of the year. And as we always said, the basic format, Terry, two-man teams, only 100 bucks. We fish for four hours at Bar Lake, give everybody a one point per inch on their game fish. We come out, enjoy a great lunch, then go down and shoot 100 targets per team and give them one point per target. Go back up to the tent, have another nice snack, and then start giving away prizes and uh, donating uh, uh, stuff to different kids' programs, different categories such as co-eds, father and child, and then end up giving away some big checks to the top teams. So uh, it's just a win-win for everybody, Terry. We still have a few slots, and I'd really like anybody that has any interest to give us a call or just come on out and sign up. We'd love to have you. All right, and, and we'll go through the contact information at Colorado Clays in just a minute, but I have a bone to pick with you. We want In the beginning of this segment, you said one of your good friends, and first of all, fish hunts with Nate, you admitting you have good friends just is a stretch. And, right, and, Terry. And, um, but I'm sure those good friends, unlike somebody I know, didn't get a call when you were out catching all those fish you've been sending me pictures of. Terry, I was pretty sure you were out of town. Um, actually, I am now because you told me after the fact. But, uh, yeah, what a, what a great opening day. Um, things are going on, Terry. Now that you're back in town, keep your phone on because, man, did we get into some good ones. All right, folks, so don't start talking fishing with JR if you go out there to shoot. It'll just cut into your shooting time. All right, my friend, how do they find you? Give us a call, Terry, 303-659-7117. Go to the website, coloradoclays.com. Check us out on there. Take the virtual tour. And by all means, if you have any questions, give us a holler. Uh, We'd love to have you come out and just kick the tires on the place. And uh, look forward to seeing everyone. All right. We will talk to you in a couple weeks, my friend. All right. Thank you, Terry. You bet. JR from... Colorado Clays. We'll take a quick time out. We'll come back and wrap up this week's edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're just a tear up in my eyes. 
eyes each night I cry myself to sleep You're just a memory of a love I somehow couldn't keep You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Of course, that was another song, A Teardrop Mice, from one of our EPs that's out on all the streaming services. Just search Wickstrom and Dobrith on your streaming service or on the Internet and follow us on, you can get us on uh, YouTube or you can get us on social media. Appreciate it. We have a lot of fun doing it. Both Mark Dobrith and I, who dipped our toe back in the music industry after a long absence are having a great time. So hopefully you'll join us. Enjoy that. We're going to wrap up this week's edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. A couple of things I do want to mention. Hopefully this weather warming is going to jumpstart some of the fishing. Now, as we jumpstart the fishing and it gets better and better, we also see less big fish. So get your sights set to that, that you're probably going to see more numbers, but work harder for big fish. As the weather turns off and on in the spring, you'll see the bite start and stop with the weather. But then as we get into like mid-May into the end of June, we can get at what's called the summer peak and can be numbers-wise some of the best fishing of the year. We'll keep you in tune with that and tell you what's going on. Of course, we try to prepare you for all your outdoor activities. One of the things, uh, I touched on this earlier on a show earlier this year, the Moraine Campground at Rocky Mountain National Park is being closed. They're doing work on it. It's going to be not available this summer, and that's a lot of campsites. And so a lot of people who would normally have gone are going to try to get another campsite at the park, or they're going to spread out in that north-central mountain region. So it's going to put more pressure on getting campsites. And I haven't checked yet, and I'll do this over the next couple weeks, but the status of some of the campgrounds like Chambers and up across uh, Cameron Pass were affected by the fire. And uh, I'm not sure what the availability of campsites is in all those type of facilities. So I guess what you really need to do is plan ahead and really make sure you have a reservation when you go up. Because, you know, almost everybody's on these reservation systems where you can reserve the same day if you find a spot. But a lot of those areas don't have phone service, so it can be very difficult to get online and reserve it. So before you make a drive, I would really check this year. I think campsites are going to be a premium. We still have a lot of people out camping from COVID that took it up that hadn't done it before. Hunting and fishing have pulled back a little bit. They're not back to pre-COVID levels, but they're not as being as robust in its activity level as we saw during COVID. But camping is holding on pretty well. And with some of these campgrounds out of the mix and not available, uh, it could be a good time for you to really, um, really do a good job of planning. We want you to have a great experience. We'll try to work with parks and the Forest Service and get as much updated information here on the show as we can. And we appreciate you listening. We're on most Saturdays from 9 to 11 right here on 104.3 The Fan. Uh, occasionally they bump us over to ESPN, and then we go from 10 to noon if there's a football or a basketball game. And sometimes we just get bumped to an hour, but most, uh, like a couple weeks because of the NFL draft. But most of the time you'll find us here from, from 9 to 11, and I uh, hope you enjoy the content. Follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We'll let you know our schedule. We talk about who's coming up. We put um, links to podcasts of almost all the 
interviews we do on the show so that you can easily get to them and review them. I want to say thanks uh, to Karen for keeping me online and putting this show together. Thanks for Ty back in the studios for keeping us going and running a great running the board and doing a great job for us. We're going to let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour in ESPN Sports on 104.3 The Fan.